Jesus, thank you so much, Lord God, for bringing us here tonight. Thank you for those connected online. Thank you for those who might even listen to this later. But God, I thank you that you have called us to understand your word, that you want us to understand it. And it's not a mystery, God, but your principles, the truths, God, about you and our salvation, Lord, it's right here in the Bible. And so I thank you that we can come tonight to study your word. And I pray that you have blessed the study tonight, that your spirit would speak to us, equip us, and change us, Lord, with the truths in front of us. And, and most of all, Lord, I know we all go through different things, but I pray that tonight you would have a word for us, that we would be encouraged, that we would be lifted up, God, that we would uh, be enlightened, Lord, just understanding more of who you are, God. So I pray that you would bless your word in this way. So anoint it with your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before uh, February 24th, 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, there was actually some Ukrainians going getting into training. The Ukraine Territorial Defense Force they were preparing for the invasion. And so they knew things were ramping up. And so before February 24th, they were preparing. The interesting to me is, is that, uh, uh, that civilians volunteered and showed up for weekend training drills. They were literally what you call weekend warriors, uh, they came from all walks of life. I was reading they were like lawyers, business owners, IT programmers, managers, you name it. And I was re- reading another article that they say that half of all the Ukrainians would rise up and fight the Russian invasions. They're just, at that time, they're just ready to go and fight. And it wasn't just young men or women. These volunteers range from age 20 to their 60s. Uh, some came in, they were uh, previous in the military, some, some, weren't, some wore their military fatigues, others just came with jeans and, and those puffer jackets. The more experienced brought their own weapons while others trained with wooden replicas supplied for them. I saw pictures like they had this like wooden gun basically. One 68-year-old Yuri Boyko said, It's important to support my employees, my friends, my family, to show them that at any age, it's possible and it's necessary to fight now and stand for Ukraine. Well, I love that spirit, right? I love that that, that fight in them and that resolve to join in in the fight and that they're coming out. They said it was like 38 degree weather, coming out to train and prepare for the invasion. Well, today as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, Jesus calls on the disciples and especially Peter now to make preparations for what's coming, to prepare their hearts for what's coming. What's coming? Well, Jesus is soon to be arrested. He'll be sentenced to, to die and he'll be hung upon the cross and, then, and he's going to be dead. So Jesus wants them to make preparations. He calls on them to brace themselves for, you know what, there's going to be times of failure. 
But Jesus encourages them that, but you know what? God will get you through to the other side. So Jesus wants them to prepare for the hard times ahead. That's the title of our message. Prepare for the hard times ahead. Now tonight we're going to be studying Luke chapter 22 from verse 31 through 38. 31 through 38. And there's three main things we're going to see, and this is like our outline. Number one is brace for the sifting, brace for the setback, and brace for the strife. So those are the things we're going to see. So prepare for the hard times. Let's, let's begin here with number one in our outline, brace for the sifting. Brace for the sifting. Now, in this section, we're going to cover verse 31 and 32. And let's read those verses right now. And Luke chapter 22, verse 31 says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren, your brothers. So we'll stop right here. Now we begin here with Jesus speaking. And he's giving Peter really this prophetic word. Yeah, he's giving Peter what's coming up, Peter. Now, understand that this conversation takes place at the Last Supper, right? We've been studying the, uh, the, the communion, Passover turned into communion. And last week we saw they were, you know, arguing about who's the greatest and all this stuff. So, so it's, it's this last night of Jesus' life that this Jesus is telling the disciples, Jesus is talking to them. We know in the book of John that he talked to them a lot. He shared a lot of his heart. He continued to teach them during this time. But in the book of Luke, we, we come to this, this, this particular prophetic word that Jesus is, going, is giving to Peter and the disciples. So Jesus is speaking here, last night of his life. He's saying some important things. And, and here he says, Simon, Simon. Now this is, this is Peter. This is his old name. But he says his name twice. Why? To grab his attention. You know, it's like when I call my kids. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, you really want them. Hey, Jerry, Jerry, you know, kind of thing. So it's like Jesus is just grabbing his attention. Look, this is important. Attention, please, you know, eyes on me, that kind of thing, right? So he says his name twice, Simon, Simon. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say Peter, yeah? Remember, Jesus gave Peter uh, that name. His name was Simon, or sometimes you, you hear him called Simon Peter, right? But really, his original name was Simon. But when Peter confessed through the revelation of God that Jesus is the Messiah God, Right? Jesus said, you know, you're going to be called Peter. You're going to be called the rock. Because upon this truth that I am, the Lord God Messiah, that the church will be built. And so he began to be known Peter, the rock, because he had shared that truth that was revealed to him. But here in verse 31, Jesus doesn't call him Peter. <laughs> he calls him Simon. And he says, Simon, Simon, why is that? He uses his old name. You know why? Because in this prophetic word, Peter's going to act like his own self. 
his old self. And we're going to see later that, that Jesus is going to tell me, you're going to deny me. Yeah? He's going to kind of revert back to the old days. So he says, kind of like getting his attention too. Right? He's been calling Peter, but now he says, Simon, getting his attention. Look, something, something's going to happen. So notice what he says next in verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Satan demanded to have you. In other words, Satan has taken this personal interest in you. Satan has targeted you. Satan has come and, and, and asked and demanded to have you. Oh, that sounds crazy, right? And it's not just Peter, though. When, when we read the word here, to have you, the word you, it's actually in the plural form in the Greek. And, and, and so Jesus is kind of saying, Simon, Simon, Satan demands to have you and the other guys, the other disciples. What does Satan want to do? What is he demanding? What is he asking God for? Well, he says, you know what? That he might sift you like wheat. Now, in the ancient times when they would process the wheat, they would put the seeds into like a, a basket or a shallow bowl, and they would just shake it violently. So the seeds would bang into each other and break off the shell, and then they would throw it up in the air, and the wind would come and blow off the chaff, the, the rubbish. Yeah? And what would fall back down was the seed itself, and that's what you use for food. So here's Jesus. He's saying, hey, Peter, you and the others, you know what? You guys can get shaken. You're going to be sifted. You're, you're, you're going you're gonna to go through a time of testing like, like never before. Your faith is going to be taken to the limit. What is he talking about? Well, we are right at the edge of Jesus being arrested, Jesus being taken to trial in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders, Pilate. We're, we're all, these events are going to happen really fast. And by tomorrow, 9 a.m., this is Thursday night, by tomorrow, 9 a.m. on Friday, he's, he's going to be hanging on the cross. So all these events is just about to happen. And when they happen, Jesus is saying, look, Satan wants to take you guys down. He wants to shake you. He wants to sift you. Yeah. And I think about how, wow, because perhaps here's the disciples. Here Satan wanted to just ruin their world and have their, their world's going to crash already when Jesus is taken. They're not going to expect it, even though all this time Jesus has been telling them, but remember, they're not listening. So Jesus is trying to prepare their heart. And so Satan wants to take them down. Now, he already had Judas, right? So now he's targeting the rest of them. Yeah. He, wants to, he, he wants to destroy their faith in Jesus. And this is the perfect time because Jesus is going to be arrested. So Jesus knows this. And so he's giving this prophetic word so that they would prepare their hearts. So here's, here's the first point here. Jesus is saying, hey, brace for the sifting, for Satan asks for permission to shake up and shatter your faith. Brace for it, you guys. Get prepared, yeah? Brace for the sifting, for, you know, guess what? Satan asks yeah, for permission to shake you up and shatter your faith. Right away, I think about the book of Job, right? Isn't that what he went through? 
Satan was given permission. Remember, Satan went to God. He was given permission to shake up and shatter Job's life. And it came in two stages. The first shake-up was when Satan was allowed to destroy his family and possessions. He lost it all. And then the second shake-up shattering was Satan was given permission to mess with Job's health. From head to toe, he had sores that broke out over his whole body. You know, I was thinking about Peter. Perhaps when um, Jesus said, hey, Peter, you know, uh, or Simon, Satan demanded have you that he might sift you like wheat. He's asking for, he asked for permission to do that. I wonder if Peter thought, and you did say no, right? You know, right? That's what we would hope. No. But as was with Job, yeah, God was like, yeah, go ahead. You know what? Job, Job's never going to, you know, lose his faith in me. Job's faith was brought to its limit, but isn't that what happened? Job still honored God, right? Job chapter 1, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then what did he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The worst thing happened, but he's still honoring God. He's still sticking to God. He's not blaming God. He's not angry at God. He's still trusting God. God in all of this. Perhaps you're thinking, well, you know what? I'm being sifted like wheat right now. My life is shaken up right now. My, my faith is, I feel like it's being shattered into a million pieces right now. Well, here's one thing that you really got to hold on to. It's important to you, that you hold on to the, these facts, really, that nothing Satan does goes beyond what is permitted by God, right? Here we see Satan demanded, Satan really asked God, yeah? He had to go to God to ask for this permission, just like with Job. So God is going to work it so that Satan will stay within the boundaries that he is Allowed. So nothing Satan does goes beyond what is permitted by God. And here's the second thing. Nothing Satan does to you will surprise God. Yeah? It won't surprise him. It won't be like, oh no, look what Satan did. Oh, oh, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh, you know, that's not God. He knows. Satan had to go and get permission just like we saw with Job. And then this instance with Peter, same thing. So think about that. If Satan had to ask permission first, then you know what that means? God is still in control. And if God is still in control, then we can say with Job, we can all say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because God is still there. God is looking after me. God has allowed this for a purpose, for a plan, for a reason. And we're going to see that here, look at verse 32 again. Jesus says, first of all, but I have prayed for you. This is one of the greatest things, you know, in the Bible, I think. To hear Jesus tell Peter, I have prayed for you. How encouraging is that for you and I today? I don't think it hit Peter like that. Even though here's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God's Son, the, the Lord, the Almighty God, the Creator, like we learned on Sunday. And He's saying, look, I prayed for you. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm interceding for you. I'm looking out for you. Yeah? 
we'd be like, oh, thank you, God. Even though Satan asked permission, even though he's allowed to do this, but God, you're, you're, you're with us. You're interceding us. You're watching over all of this. I like this because though Satan took a personal interest in shaking Peter's faith, Jesus is saying, I will personally be praying for you. I love that thought. Yeah. And so what is Jesus praying? Well, he says, but I have prayed for you that what? Your faith may not fail. Isn't that awesome? He's going to be shaken. He's going to be sifted. His faith is going to be taken to the limit. Satan's going to try and shatter his faith. But Jesus said, but you know, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. The word fail means cease. It means disappear. You know what it means? To go beyond recovery. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm praying that that's not going to happen. And if Jesus prays that, you think, that, that prayer is going to be answered, of course, right? So that's a solid promise that, hey, Peter, you're going to be sifted. You're going to be brought to the brink. But you know what? Your faith will not end. This will not end your relationship with me, your walk with me. And today we can say, well, Satan may shake us and sift us, but you know what? We are not going to lose our faith in God. It may be brought to the brink, but we're not going to lose our salvation. We're not going to lose our relationship and place with God. We're not going to stop being a child of God. Our faith may be shaken, but it's not going to end. And then another thing, he says, And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I love this. This is another great saying because Jesus is saying, When you have of, of turn. And notice he said when, not if. Yeah, When means it's going to happen. Your faith won't be totally in. Well, when you, you turn again, turn again means when you come back. Yeah, When you return, you know what? Then strengthen your brothers. You know what? You're going to pick yourself up you're going to go to your brothers and you're going to help them. You're going to encourage your, your, your fellow brothers in the Lord there. And so we see, wow, there's, there's a purpose in all of this. Yeah, there's a, Something's going to go on. And we know in the book of 1 Peter, you hear what, what he learned and what went on in all of that. Isn't this great? Jesus is saying, look, fail. Yeah. later we're going to see that he's going to deny Jesus, but he said, you're going to go through it. You're, you're going to feel like you fail, but failure is not fatal. William White wrote, God is not defeated by human failure. He's saying, no matter how bad you're shaken, no matter if, 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 if you, can, you feel like you failed and all, your faith will not end. So, here's the point here. Brace for the sifting, for you will fail, but you will emerge stronger on the other side to strengthen others. There's an other side to this. There's an other side, you guys. And maybe we fail, but still, you will emerge stronger and on the other side. When you're on the other side, you're going to emerge on the other side to strengthen others. We have to keep this in mind. Because 
When we think about our failures, whether it's in the past, whether it's in the present, right? It affects us for the future, doesn't it? If we really focus in on it, we, we start getting depressed, discouraged. I can't do it. How can I do it? I'm not gonna make it. Especially when your faith is being shaken. Especially because your faith is being shaken and, and, and sifted, you, you do fail. Yeah? You don't trust God as much as you should. Especially in those times. But Jesus is saying, hey, no worries. You had that failure? Maybe a lack of trust? Maybe you didn't, you, you didn't do something like you, you should have done because you didn't trust me or didn't have that faith? You know, it's not fatal though. Because on the other side of this trial and the trouble and hard times, you will make it through. You're going to be there. Just brace yourself for the sifting. And there's going to be places where you fail, but you will emerge stronger on the other side to strengthen others. So don't focus on that failure and sifting and shaking, but focus on the fact that God is there with you. C.S. Lewis wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. It's a satire about this conversation between Satan and one of his trainee demons on how to affect people and get to people. Well, one of the strategies mentioned in that book is this. Get Christians preoccupied with their failures. From there, the battle is won. So stop focusing on the failures. And no matter where you are, O child of God, no matter what has happened, there is hope in Jesus. Jesus knew Peter would fail, but that failure will not be the end and it will actually make him stronger in the end. There is a plan and purpose to everything that is going on because the Lord God himself is running things. He is still in control. Uh, turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And, and I, you guys know this verse, but I want you to turn there and I want you to see this. And I actually want us to read this verse together. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. And I want you to read this out loud. And we're going to read it together. Because I believe this is important for you to stand upon. That no matter what you're going through, no matter the trouble, no matter the hard times, no matter even the failure, yeah, God is still in control. All right, Romans 8, 28, let's read it together. Out loud. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Isn't that great? Remember, I've said this before. It says all things, right? Not some things, yeah? Not only certain things, but all things. And the word all in the Greek is, guess what? All. <laughs> all. All things. The good and the bad. The, the joyful times, the sorrowful times, yeah? The hard times and, and, and the great times. Understand that today. Even in times of failure, there's hope. Even in times when, when we didn't have that faith or our faith is being shattered, there's still hope because God is still there. 
So, here's Jesus telling Peter and the disciples, look, prepare, you guys. Prepare your heart with this. See what's coming up. Know that I'm going to be praying for you. Know that there's another side. Uh, you know, on, there's going to be a, on the other side to this. So prepare for the hard times ahead. All right, so we've seen number one, brace for the sifting. Now number two, brace for the setback. Brace for the setback. Here we're going to look at verse 33 and 34. Take a look here, verse 33, first of all. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. We'll stop there. Now, now here's Peter. He hears all this, and he says, what? what? You know, and it's almost like he didn't hear the, the hopeful part, you know. He's, he's kind of deaf to it. He only hears that, what? What? Satan want to sift me? No way. Not me. I'm a man. I'm a fighter. Yeah. I'm, I, I, can, I can take it. He hears all this, and he says, no, I'm not going to have it. Yeah. No way. I'm not going to let, let Satan do anything to me. No way. I'm not going to give in. That's not what's going to happen. So he declares basically, Lord, no, no way. I'm going to stand for you. I'm, I'm ready to stand with you. Yeah. And you know what? If, if, if these bad things are really going to happen, you're talking about, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to go with you, he says. I'm ready to go with you. If you, it means prison, I'm ready to go. I don't care. I'm, I'm with you. I'm ready to even go to the death. That's what Peter's saying. And, and I love that heart, you know. I love it. I'm not going to back down, you know. And I almost feel like after what we saw last week, like they're arguing about who's the greatest. I almost feel like Peter's like, maybe those guys, but not me, you know, <laughs> right? In his, in his pride and all that. No way, not me. But look what Jesus says next, verse 34. Jesus then responds to that. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Do you notice something here? Jesus said, I tell you, what? Peter. Yeah. Not Simon. He is Simon, right? So I feel like it's almost like Jesus saying, I tell you, Peter, you think you're a rock? You think you're immovable? You think you're going to be strong? Let me t give you a prophetic word on this. By the time the rooster crows, yeah, uh, three times, which is around 3 or 4 a.m., right? You already had denied me. Yeah. You will deny being a follower. You will deny that you're with me. Oh, no, no, I'm not with Jesus. Yeah. I'm not with him. What is going on here? Well, Peter got caught up in his overconfidence. Yeah? Rather than hearing and listening and preparing his heart of what Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, what this is what's coming. His pride kicked in and it made him deaf, made him blind. He's like, nah, no need. I'm good, Lord. I'm going to stand. Nah, no, no worry about me. Yeah, yeah, I don't need you to pray for me. It's okay. This will not happen to me. Maybe them. Maybe the other guys, they'll give in you know, to Satan's attack and all that. Ah, no need. I'm good. But isn't he setting himself up for the fall? Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Right? The Proverbs, pride comes before fall. Same idea. So here's what Jesus 
is trying to tell Peter, brace for the setback, for your overconfidence in your own ability will be the recipe for failure. You see, Peter's like, no way, I'm not going to, because of his pride, his overconfidence in himself, in his own ability, but that's really a recipe for failure. You think you can do it? Uh, Jesus saying, hey, this is going to get hard, you know. You're going to be sifted, shaken, shattered. You're, uh, I don't think you're going to, you're going to be taken to the brink of your, your fate. Ah, this is going to be harder than you think. No, I can do it. I can do it. Jesus saying, hey, you better brace yourself. You're going to hit a setback because your overconfidence is setting you up for failure. You know, um, just this week on Memorial Day, I went for an early morning surf, came home, did a yard, <laughs> and then washed the, washed the truck. And, and then I had great plans to do a whole bunch of other things before the family came over for our, our barbecue dinner, you know, for Memorial Day. But my body, like, totally ran out of energy. I, I actually crashed. Like, after lunch, I could barely move. <laughs> But I had all these plans, right? I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting old now. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was in my mind like, hey, I can do it. I can do it. I'm, I, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I had stacked up all these things, a list in my mind. But, oh, I crashed. I was overconfident, really, of myself. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking, I can do the same thing when God says, look, uh, you know, you know you better watch out for this, you know, be careful of this and all that, or you shouldn't do this. And I said, no, Lord, I, I get them. I'm okay. I get them. And my mind sort of sets this false reality, yeah, thinking that, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not. I'm not. I need him. I need his help. Yeah, I need to rely on him. Isn't it backwards how we, how we like, God says, no, I'll, I'll be your strength, you know? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me in Philippians 4, 19, I think. But, right? And, and, and we're, we're like, yeah, 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 Lord, but we, God's saying, hey, take my strength now. But we're like, you know what, God? When I, I I'm going to get, I'll get them, I'll do it. And when I run out of strength, then I'll go to you, Right? That's our overconfidence when God's saying, no, you cannot. you got to totally rely on me every day and for everything. So watch out when God speaks to you. Yeah? Don't close your ears off in your overconfidence. Yeah? Don't close your ears and say, ah, I get him, I get him. When God's saying, no, prepare yourself here. Come to me for strength. Come to me every day for strength, yeah? Sometimes we, 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 we think, well, do I have a hard day? Easy day. Oh, easy day. Ah, thank you, Lord. See you later. But when we face a hard day, oh, Lord, please, please, help me, help me, help me. Yeah, right? No, every day should be that, yeah? Because you never know what's going to happen. And that overconfidence is really just setting yourself up for failure. So prepare for the hard times ahead. That's what Jesus is telling these guys. Brace for the sifting, brace for the set, setback. Okay, and number three, our last heading, is brace for the strife. Brace for the strife. And in this last section, we're going to cover the rest of the verses in our section tonight, verse 35 through 38, for those of you taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 35 and 36. And he said to them, 
When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. Sorry. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. So Jesus moves on here. Now, he's trying to prepare their hearts. Remember this. What's coming around the corner, Jesus can be arrested, uh, condemned to die and die on a cross. So he's trying to prepare them now, right? So at this point, he says, hey, you guys. Jesus said to them, you remember when I sent you out? Yeah. He's talking about when he sent them out as missionaries. You remember back in Luke 9, they went to different towns and cities and, and sharing Jesus Christ. And they went ahead of Jesus coming and they were like missionaries. Going out, and God used them too to to heal, to share, you know, God's word, and and even empowered them to do miracles and things like that. But they went out in Jesus's name. So Jesus, like, remember when I sent you out? You guys went out with what? No money bag. In other words, no extra cash, no cash, no wallet, you know, kind of thing. You you, you didn't have to bring any extra money at, at, at all. And remember, I sent you out with no nap sack, like a backpack. Right with with um, uh, uh, extra provisions, food or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't have, or even an extra pair of, of sandals, extra pair of shoes. If one broke, your strap broke, or you know, um, they were. Uh, you, you didn't have to worry about any of your needs. So I said, did you lack anything when you went out without any of these extra stuff? Did you lack anything? They said, no, we didn't lack anything at at all. In other words, yeah, everything was provided for. But then Jesus said, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. You you guys better have extra money. And likewise, a knapsack, extra provisions. And let those now who have no sword sell this cloak and buy one. Now, he's not telling them, you know, let's all arm up, you know, let's get our swords, let's get our weapons, you know, this is, that this is going to be a fight, you know, that's not what he's saying with all of this. It's, it's really, all of this is really a figure speech, it's really figurative. And in others, what he's saying is, you guys, it's not going to be like before. Get ready for a change, a change is coming. See, the past three years, right, Jesus, the Everyone looked at him as the coming Messiah. Yeah? So the people, they gave. They offered him things. They, they provided food. They, they, they gave him a place to stay. Yeah? All the needs were being met because everyone was like, oh no, this is God. And they provided for Jesus and the disciples. But in a matter of hours, it's all going to change. Jesus will be arrested. He'll be, he'll be put on trial, condemned to die. And, and that's going to change the whole thinking yeah, of who Jesus is with the people. So the disciples will no longer be welcomed like this. They'll no longer be like provided for and, and helped out. They're going to be hated, really, and persecuted and face hostility because they are known to be with Jesus, one of his followers. 
And so Jesus says this in verse 37, For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. So Jesus is saying, like, look, look, look understand, th- th- this has to happen. It's been prophesied. He quotes Isaiah 53, verse 12, that he is to be numbered with the transgressors. What does that mean? Jesus dies this criminal death, right? He, he was sentenced and condemned and accused of being a criminal. He died with the two other thieves, right? So he died as a criminal. He's, and that was the prophecy way back in Isaiah 53. Well, this is the fulfillment of this prophecy, you guys. People are going to look at me as a criminal. They're going to look at you. Who are these guys? And everything's going to change now. So then verse 38, And they said to the disciples, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. After all that Jesus said, after all that Jesus is saying, Look, take the bread and take this cup. This is my body given for you. Here's a cup. This is the covenant of my blood. After all that he said, that he told them so many times, When we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to betray. He said that night, right? The betrayers right here. You know, when are you going to betray me? Right? Uh, and, and he told him way ahead of time that someone's going to betray him and then he'll be turned over to the religious leaders and then he's going to be condemned to die. But he did say, I'm going to rise again on the third day. After all that, yeah, and now he's saying, look, you guys can be sifted uh, by Satan. Uh, Peter, you're going to deny me and everything's, you're, everything's going to change now. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to, people aren't going to like you. As they rejected me, they're going to reject you. and You're going to face hostility, persecution. After all that Jesus said, the disciples say, look, look, God, Lord, look, we have two swords. And Jesus says, it is enough. In other words, enough of that talk. That's not what I'm talking about. The disciples missed what Jesus was trying to say to them the whole time. Yeah. They thought, oh, yeah, I'm ready to fight. Let's fight. Right? Later, Peter grabbed the sword. Yeah? In the garden, when he was being arrested in the garden. Jesus saying, no, that's enough. enough. Enough of that talk. You know what he was saying? Look, what I've been talking about is preparing your heart for this spiritual battle that's about to start. Preparing your heart for this persecution and hostility that's going to come upon me and also is going to be threatening you. In Mark 14, 27, Jesus had added this also. It says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Yeah. He's painting this picture. Everything's going to change, you guys. I got my sword. You said sword. No, no, that wasn't what I was talking about. You know, yeah. There's going to be this spiritual battle going on. So our last point tonight is this. Brace for the strife to come after my arrest and death, but know it's God's plan. That's that's what he's trying to say. Isaiah 53, I'm going to be numbered with the transgressors. This this is going to be part of the, the work and plan of God, you guys. But brace for what's coming. Brace for the strife. Brace, because it's going to come. But after my arrest and death, um, that's it, going to come. But no, you know, it's all according to plan. 
you know, as um, summer comes and the temperature warms up, I know what comes, and it's already starting to happen. It's the ant invasion. <laughs> yeah. It's the ants. Yeah. They come. Yeah. It warms up, you know, all that. And so I, I got to go spray around the house before it gets super bad. But it's like, okay, prepare. Brace yourselves. We're in a war. We're in a fight. You know, it's funny how the little tiny insects and a whole bunch of them can just frustrate you. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, but, but we got to brace ourselves. Yeah. And they're going to come. They're going to be attacking. They're gonna, you know, and, and it's just not one colony. It seems like maybe our, our, we live on an anthill or something. Yeah. But we got to brace ourselves. We got to prepare what's coming. Yeah. And we know that that's the normal plan of the ants, I think. Well, I was thinking as the world gets darker, as we head into the end times, we're, we're going to face more persecution. Our beliefs in the truths of who God is, in the principles of God, in the moral principles that are found in the Bible, as we hold to that, and as the world gets darker and pulls away from that, we're going to be looked at as bad people. And it's exactly what Isaiah talked about, where good is called bad and bad is called good. It's, it's, it's going it's, it's to happen as we, you know what, head into the end times. Yeah. As we're heading toward uh, that final seven years that we've been studying so much about in the book of Revelation. But remember that host- hostility and persecution is going to come. And it's really predicted, but it's all part of the plan. Because at the end of the tribulation, Jesus is going to return. Right? The world is going to get much darker. Yeah, People... The, the peak of sin and wickedness in the world is going to come to a peak during the tribulation under the rule of the Antichrist. Where the peak really is is that people will give glory to Satan, the power of Satan, and worship the Antichrist, the world. That's, that's the peak. So of course we've got to head in that way, away from truth, away from what, what we know, what is biblical. So it's going to come. And we've got to Brace ourselves, yeah? We, 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 we got to brace for the strife that's going to come. We're heading that way. But it's all God's plan. And in the end, Christ will return. So no matter, as we come to a close, what, what you're facing tonight or, or, or maybe you're not, yeah? The enemy's around the corner. He, he wants to do things. He wants to keep you from God. He wants to destroy your life with God. He wants to destroy your faith in God. Yeah? And, and his attacks, I think, are getting more and more and more heavy for believers. I really believe that. So I think this message, this passage, is so appropriate for you, for you and I today in the age we live in. So brace yourself for the sifting and the shaking. But no, God is still in control. Brace yourself. I mean, you may experience some setbacks, but it doesn't mean the end to your relationship with God. Yeah? It doesn't mean the end of your salvation or your faith or your walk with God. And understand, we are in a spiritual battle, a fierce one. So brace yourself for, for the strife, 
of persecution, hostility against what we believe in and against us as people of God. Brace yourself. I'll close with this. The, the fire chief of a New England town's volunteer fire department was asked, what is the first thing they do when called to extinguish a fire? He said, well, the first thing we do is drench the premise with water, knock out the windows, and chop up the furniture. The interviewer then asked, what is the second thing you do? Well, the chief replied with a sly smile, well, the second thing is to make absolutely sure we are at the right address. <laughs> he was joking, right? I mean, he, you know, he's kind of being, um, you know, it, it, it should be the other way around. Make sure at the right address before you start, you know, drenching and, and breaking windows and all that, right? But sometimes we do that. We get it backwards. You know? And what I mean is we need to prepare our hearts before the things happen. We need to prepare now, you know. We need to be ready, embrace ourselves for what the enemy may do, what the world may do. And we need to take what God is saying in his word and prepare for the hard times ahead. Let's pray. God, thank you for warning us. Thank you, God, that you did... uh, share with the disciples a prophetic word of what was coming, Lord. Though they didn't totally understand it, their head was still about you, Jesus, bringing in the kingdom. Maybe it was starting to sink in, but still, God, they weren't fully aware. But God, we are today. And we need to be aware, Lord, of the truths of the Bible and what's coming around the corner, Lord, here today, Lord, in Um, the times that we live in. God, we know the enemy is real and Satan really wants to bring us down and destroy us. And we're in a battle. We're in a battle for for our lives and the souls of people around us, God. And so, Lord, help us to prepare for hard times ahead. Help us to not only prepare, but when they come, to do all we can to understand and have faith and trust in you as we learn tonight. God, help us, Lord, to put into our minds the truth that all things work together for good because you are in control. You are the sovereign, Lord. And you have the power to even use our failures, God. It's not an excuse. Use our sins and wrongdoings. It's not an excuse, but but you don't leave it there as a tragedy, God. You you can even use those things and turn it around by your miracle hand and make it work out for good for us. And Lord, thank you that even if I do fail you, that your love is so much greater than my failures. That your love is is, is so strong, God. So much more than I even understand, God that even in my failure, your love is greater. And I thank you that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So, Lord, we are grateful, and we run to you tonight. We come to you, and as we 
learn, God, what you've told us tonight to prepare our hearts, Lord. It's really a preparation of faith and trust in you. So, Lord, we have faith in your love, faith in your power, and so we trust you with all of our being and with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.